Holy shit, it's Art of the Kickstart, episode 100. Welcome to the theartofthekickstart.com, where entrepreneurs are constantly pushing the envelope to build businesses of greatness. Inventors are innovating and creating the products of the future, and backers stand strong for what they believe. These are some of the great thinkers, inventors, and leaders of our time. Here are their stories. Guys, launching a Kickstarter campaign isn't exactly easy. That's why the majority of Kickstarters fail, despite how hard editors work. I put together a free six-step email mini-course to try to eradicate this evil issue and help inventors and entrepreneurs everywhere. If you guys go to artofthekickstart.com slash checklist, you can get the new and improved six-step guide that's going to walk you step-by-step through making your Kickstarter, your crowdfunding campaign happen. Check it out, artofthekickstart.com slash checklist and make your crowdfunding dreams happen. Guys, we're back with Art of the Kickstart. It's been a while. I've been in China. It's been crazy. It might get crazy on here, too. Derek's got his kids somewhere in the house. Thanks for coming on today. Derek O'Sullivan, the founder of Thermotense. Welcome to Art of the Kickstart. Thanks, Matt. Great to be here. So, Derek, we like to kick these off with a life quote, a success quote. But you know what? I'm tired of that. We've done 100 episodes. We need something new. We need something exciting. I want you to motivate people out there right now, people that are thinking about starting their own business. What would you tell them? I would tell them, go for it, Matt, but um, do your homework first. You know, it's not um, everybody has this romantic idea of going into business and building this, build it and they will come, you know, that kind of notion. But um, it's very, very important, I think, to have your homework done first and, and to make sure that you're doing something that people want, not just that people will pat you on the back and tell you that's a great idea. Is it something that people want and that they will pay for? And I think that's the difference. You know, it's not your friends and family are always going to tell you what you're doing is great. What you want to know is, would they pay for it? And that's the that's the crux of it. And you need to get that bit right first or you waste a lot of time and a lot of money. That is the absolute paradox. Will people pay for it? Remember an incredible study yeah. and basically just find out if people are going to pay for it. Offer them something. Get some feedback. Find some people that are willing to just be absolute dicks. Okay, we shouldn't say that on the program, but we said it. And just bust up on your project. What kind of challenges have you guys had with Thermotense? We've had a lot of challenges. Um, I suppose initially it was the, the similar to what you were talking about, Matt, the prototyping suppliers. We've gone through a lot of suppliers, a lot of bad suppliers um, to get to the right one. But we have a good partner now, but it, it took a lot of, we were kissing a lot of frogs along the way. Um, but we got there in the end. Uh, that's another thing you really need to research really, really carefully. You know, you need to know that they can produce you can't build a business in one month, but you can certainly destroy a brand in one month. So you need to make sure that the quality of what you're putting out there is, is matches the promises. And I think that that's the crux of it. That was our biggest challenge to date. And obviously the funding of starting a new business and trying to get everything done. And, you know, there's all, all the usual problems that run with that and, and run a life as well somewhere in the middle there, you know. People connect to stories way better than to theories, way better than the explanations. Tell people about sourcing some of the issues that you've had Try to make it more personal and then share how you find great suppliers. Okay. Well, I was uh, doing our manufacturing in the East in China right now. So I took a couple of trips out there, went to a few factories, as I'm sure a lot of people have done. A lot of them, to be honest, I ended up uh, reporting one or two of them to authorities because of the working conditions and kids that I saw working in these factories. Not that they probably won't do any good, but... Certainly a lot of the stuff over there that I saw would, would frighten would frighten anybody, certainly frighten parents. 
We went through, I'd say I went through probably eight or nine factories, eight or nine suppliers, but before I actually found one that can do what we want them to do. And the problem with our our product is it's it's kind of complex. Anybody can make the outer tent, but everybody, or sorry, very few can actually make our insulated inner tent. And that's the problem. So even when we got the good supplier to do the outer tent, they didn't have the capability of doing what we needed to do with the inner tent, which is a much thicker, much thicker than what they were used to sewing. And then it gets really complicated. So we thought we had the problem solved a couple that they couldn't actually do what we needed them to do. So that was even more frustrating. Um, and eventually we came across a little factory and, the, you know, the, their minimum order quantities weren't too high. Again, when you're dealing with a lot of these factories here, they want you to be buying hundreds or thousands of units, depending on what you're, you're, you're making. So their minimum order quantities, their reputation, everything fitted in and, and their work ethos and they were willing to work with us and um, get things out quicker than, than you normally would out of China. So... And they even worked a little bit through the Chinese New Year for us, which was which was uh, anybody that's dealt with China knows this big shutdown. So, you know, when we saw that they were willing to do that, we said they're willing to go the extra mile. And here we are. We're ready to place our first order on the back of our Kickstarter project, which ends on May 2nd. And you guys are doing incredible. You've got 34,000 euros raised. That's actually how is the euro doing relative to the dollar? I have no idea since I've been over here in China. Total tangent. It's only about 108 at the moment, Matt. So we would have been do- we would be doing a lot better if, if we were having this conversation this time last year. But um, unfortunately, that's not the case because we're still obviously buying in, in dollars and all that. So um, it's it's going pretty tough from from an exchange rate point of view. Oh, but we're going. Look, we're still going. We're going. Um, we're going well. Yeah, we're hoping for a strong finish over the next two weeks, two and a bit weeks to to get over that line and. And a little bit more. Hopefully, our goal is forty thousand. So we need to we need to obviously hit that at least. So we're we're looking we're trending pretty good at the moment. But we need to we need to give it a final push over the last couple of weeks. You're gonna crush it being on out of the Kickstarter, guys. Check it out. It's a cool project if you love camping and you don't want to be cold. But anyways, we haven't talked about the story. So let's get back into this story a little bit. Are you a camper? What's the deal with thermo tents? Yeah, I used to camp a lot, Matt. Before. Exciting things like like mortgages and 3 a.m. feeds and all that kind of stuff took over. So in Ireland, we, we have a, a moderate enough climate. It doesn't get too cold, doesn't get too hot, but it still got cold and, and hot enough to be very frustrated in a tent. You know, you go to bed at night and it's kind of warm and then it gets cold in the middle of the night. And the minute the temperature drops outside immediately, conventional tents, they just become like um, like ice boxes. You know, they get very, very cold. So the temperature drops exactly the same as it does outside because there is absolutely no insulation between you and the outside world. The same is actually true in very warm climates. So you're you're in a warm climate, you go to bed, you're nice and comfortable. Sun rises, the second it hits the tent, the, the tent just becomes like a sauna. Have to get up, have to get out, you have no option. And the third thing that used to really annoy me uh, camping is the noise. You know, the, again, there's no noise barrier, no acoustic barrier between you and the outside world. And that can be very annoying if you haven't been invited to the party in the campsite, you know, especially for, if you have, again, for family camping, if you have kids, just to, to get more rest, and, uh, you know, a more peaceful rest at night. So there were the three, uh, the three problems that we faced and they're the three problems we've solved. Our insulation, our, that special inner tent that I was telling you about, really, it, it prevents these spikes in temperature that occur, I suppose, in all other tents. And it also muffles noise transfer in and out of the tent. And, and that's... There's no other product on the market that does that, only Thermotent. So we're quite excited about it. And, you know, we're getting some market validation through Kickstarter now as well, which is great to see that people are, are interested in it, you know? Yeah, that's what happens before Coleman buys you. But that's my question. Why hmm. haven't the big guys done this? Because these are three pretty obvious issues. If you've ever gone camping, I mean, all three of them suck. 
Why has no one else done it before? And did that scare you at all? What'd you do for validating something like this, pricing something like this? Let's go back to that. Yeah, very much it did. And that's the question I was, I suppose, when I started, I was looking for an insulated tent and I came from the insulation industry and I said, look, we can insulate everything else. Why, the, why can't we insulate a tent? You know, it's, it, that doesn't make any sense. So, but there is no comparable product on the market. I think it, it probably came down to two things. Number one is the bulk and the size of the tent, you know, for, for transporting. Our inner tent is, it's, it would be oversimplifying it to say it's like a sleeping bag, but it's that kind of shape and that kind of feel. So it's, it's um, quite bulky. Now we've kind of overcome that. It's just the sleeping area of the tent that we insulate. And also we have a vacuum system for packing that for packing a very straightforward vacuum system for packing that inner tent. So it, it reduces the volume of it. Um, why somebody else hasn't done it? I think, Matt, the big thing is that in the tenting industry or the tenting sector over the last number of years, there's been a race for reducing size, reducing weight, reducing size, reducing weight. You know, it's, all, it's been a race to the bottom that way. And nobody kind of looked at this, at this um, avenue. And really our tents are, are going to be primarily for campers, like family campers or people that camp you know, literally drive to a campsite, you know, um, or drive close to a campsite and carry their tent a little bit to, to their actual, um, where they're pitching their tent. So that was, that was, I think that's the, the first reason was, was kind of the bulk and some of the traditional manufacturers were afraid of, of, of producing a bulkier or heavier tent. And number two, in the design, it's important. I came at this from the insulation point of view, and I think that's the angle you have to come at it from. You have to get that right first. And, you know, getting that right while not causing big condensation problems inside in the tent and breathability problems and all that kind of stuff took a lot of design. There was a lot of trial and error there before we got that right. So and there are products that have just come on the market that have 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 made this possible, really, you know, that, that weren't there two, three years ago. So I think it was a combination maybe of, of the tent manufacturers just came at, from, came at it from a tent point of view and just trying to get lighter and lighter and smaller with their tents. Whereas we said, no, actually, you know what, if you're camping out of the back of, you know, out of your car or whatever, um, you don't need it to be that, that much lighter. You don't need it to be that much smaller. I mean, it still comes in two reasonable sized bags, so it's not massive. You know, you can still carry it in your boot or in your trunk and, and have plenty of space for suitcases. And, and here we are. So we, we've, we've nailed the size thing and we've nailed the breathability and the condensation issue. Now we're, we're using more expensive materials, so that does drive up the cost on us a little bit. But I think it's very important that we get, we get those fundamentals right, you know? Absolutely. And you know what I think is interesting? When you talk to entrepreneurs, they always say, find, find a niche, find something you're passionate about that people buy and have a USP, have something that differentiates you. And you have a differentiation factor, which is literally like a winning factor. You guys are completely different than all other tent manufacturers out there. But yet, it also makes the product better. So you guys are going to stand out. That means you should be able to grow and scale and gain a lot of market traction very quickly. What are your plans post-Kickstarter with this? Because you don't have much competition in the more leisure-based hiking, camping industry. What do you do with something like that? Well, we're looking to distribute immediately. I suppose the first thing is to, to obviously fulfill our, our Kickstarter pledges and, and fulfill our promises on that. We do have some retailers in the UK uh, and in the US that are interested in carrying our products, some of the bigger, the bigger names. I personally, I'd prefer to stay as close to the customer as possible. So we may opt for selling direct through the website while going, getting out there, letting people through trade shows and applicable trade shows and that 
at getting letting people come product and still sell online, sell directly online. Um, we will probably pick a couple of strategic partners. You know, the the people that are that are thinking. You know, the high. I, I won't call them the higher end, but the outdoor retailers that have quality products. They're not willing to just sell anything. You know, the people will associate them with quality and and, and good Walmart. products. Really. Yeah. No, we no. won't. You won't be seeing us in Walmart. No, Absolutely. anything like that. Uh, no, definitely not. There, and even in the UK, there are probably only two brands that we would we would associate ourselves with as regards outdoor shops or outdoor retailers. In the US, there's a few more, obviously. There's a few in Germany. We, we're, we're doing a few trade shows through the summer now in the UK, in Germany, and in the States um, later on in October. So the, that's one avenue. The second avenue we're, we're also working on is the, the luxury camping or the glamping market, we call it here, the glamorous camping. So you have the kind of semi-permanent structures that stay up in these luxury campsites. And a couple of um, manufacturers have been on, I was just speaking to one this morning, in fact, um, that want to do, want us to supply the actual tent area of those structures. So that's another avenue we're kind of, we're, we're exploring at the minute. And so, the, the third thing is obviously there's a disaster relief element to what we're doing as well. Um, and we're talking to a couple of the big disaster relief agencies to see how we can help out there. So they're the kind of the three things we have in, in um, on the go at the minute. But I suppose that's a long-winded way of answering your question, Matt, from, from a leisure or from a recreational tent point of view. Yeah, we will have a few strategic partners in Europe and in the States, but we just need to be very careful about who they are and make sure that they sell our products in the right way and the, the right message come, comes across, you know? No worries on the long-winded answer. You're Irish, which means you have an awesome accent and people love to listen to you talk. But with with <laughs> a product like this, where you have you have a great piece of technology, you've put a lot into what actually goes into insulating the tent? Is this something you patent? Is that an avenue you go down in terms of trying to license a product like this? Not necessarily with what you've done, but with what you would recommend to others as well. Yeah, um, we have. Yeah, we have. There is IP uh, um, attached to it, intellectual property. And we do have a patent pending on what we're doing and how we're insulating the tent and all that. So, yeah, that's a shorter answer. We do have a patent pending on it. We have made our our patent applications. It, it is a longer I think the attorneys are quite are quite um, confident that we'll be able to to, to finish it off. It's just where we're doing a we're in the process of launching a, a US and European and and on the back of that a worldwide patent application. So it takes time. But we are first in line and it's in it's in it's in the system. So it, it is underway at the moment. And um, obviously we're also protecting the name and we're protecting um, some some other stuff and brands and that kind of stuff, which is important too. Um, uh, and yeah, I, I would highly recommend that because the last thing you want is to find you've nailed something and then somebody just comes in and copies it, you know, that, that, that would be very frustrating. So Derek, I want to expound upon something that you said earlier. You said how customer focused you were and you wanted to stay close and in touch with the customer. And I had a piece of constructive feedback for your campaign. I love the product. I love what you guys are doing. I see massive potential. But one of the things that I didn't like about the campaign was that it wasn't as personal as it could be. It had a really big company feel to it. Yet when you tell the story, it's really cool. It's really personal. Why did you guys decide to go that route? And I personally think that your campaign in the next two weeks could really benefit from some added videos of you with users or just kind of demonstrating the product, getting a bit more of a face behind it versus a company. Thoughts, opinions? I don't know. That was a random question, but we'll see how you take it. Yeah, no, I'll take that on board. Absolutely. 
I suppose we spend, yeah, I would, I would accept, accept what you're saying. Um, then there's two aspects to it. And we funny, funny you say that we have Monday morning. That's the first thing on the list is we're doing an update video um, uh, as regards. And that'll be a little much more personal, personable, just done with basically with, with a, a GoPro camera. So there, there's nothing too high tech or, or big company feel about it. But I think um, we put a lot of more of, I suppose, money and time into producing the campaign, Matt, because we wanted people to be confident. You know, our products aren't your traditional Kickstarter products. They're not stuff that you can buy for 20 to a hundred dollars. You know, these are products that, you know, some of our tents go up well over a thousand euro up to 2000 euro nearly. So we wanted people to be confident that we can do that and that we can fulfill and that we can do what we say we do. And I think we needed to produce a professional or a prof- yeah, I suppose that's the word for it. A professional feeling campaign, you know, that people would be confident that, yeah, you know what, these guys are serious. They're not just putting this together in the back of a matchbox. And I think that that might have been, but I totally accept what you're saying, that maybe from a Kickstarter point of view and the people that are traditionally around Kickstarter, they might prefer just the one-to-one feel. But I do think it's important that we put our best foot forward and that we show, look, everything we do from our website to our video to our products is done professionally. And it was a little bit maybe to put the consumer at ease that what we do, we do it right, you know. But but I do accept what you're saying and and certainly over the next week or two there will be you you will be seeing some video updates popping up there absolutely you guys don't want to be viewed as schmucks especially because in my opinion the big business for this is going to come post kickstarter once people have seen it once you get out in front of those other people the distributors people that can help you get this out there derek we're going to jump to the launch round now sound good oh yeah that's fine yeah no problem welcome to the launch round where we take our guests through a series of rapid-fire questions geared towards unlocking the inner inventor and entrepreneur in all of us. Get ready to blast off and unlock your inner potential. Let's do this. First thing, Derek, if you could give a business book, a life book to anyone, what would it be? A business book. Let me see. I've read quite a few of them. Of Permanent Value by uh, Warren Buffett was probably a, um, a book that I enjoyed. It's an old book. I think he wrote it some time ago. But it gets it gets to the art of, of valuing something correctly and not just what a price that's put on something, you know, might be a little bit heavy, but I, I found it a good read. Heavy doesn't mean it's bad. It just means you don't exactly. read it at night, right? Next question, exactly. Derek. Not, not just before bed, no. Not just before bed blows your mind. Derek, you have an unlimited budget. What kind of product are you making? What problem are you solving? What do you want to do? If I had an unlimited budget? Yes, sir. And when you say this, Matt, is this to make money as a business proposition or is it just a problem? This is whatever you want it to be. This can be to make the greatest business in the world or to cure cancer. Maybe you just want to have a great day at the spa. Go for it. (laughs) We won't go for C in a way, although it sounds tempting sometimes. um, I suppose I mentioned there we were doing a refugee tent. Um, or a disaster relief tent. And I, I, I have some, some experience in Africa of, of, um, from when I was younger of some, of some refugee camps. And I think that if I had an unlimited budget, I'd make sure that people that are, everybody has a home, be it a thermo tent or otherwise. I think everybody should have, should have a home. And, and a lot of these people have been displaced. We see it in Syria at the moment. A lot of people, you know, regular people like you or me are displaced through no fault of their own. You know, it's down to politics or religion or something like that. And, you know, I, I, I feel that everybody in every family and every child in particular, uh, this is something I suppose since I've had kids myself that I'm more conscious of. 
but everybody should have a permanent home that they somewhere that they can go and call home. So I think if I could call it solve a problem, that that would be the one. Man, you're making me miss home while I'm over here in China. And you said it, having kids. How's it work as an entrepreneur when you're a parent? You've got those other ones you've got to take care of. How does go through how you survive that? Because I got to imagine it is incredibly challenging. It's tough, yeah. It's tough, and you need to be like super organized. Matt is the is the number one thing. My wife works as well, so we have a fantastic childminder that comes in, looks after the kids during the day most days. Although she's not here today, but the you just need to be organized, very very organized, and you need to you know put this plan weeks in advance. Make sure that you have the hours, and obviously when the kids go to bed, you know when you're in business yourself. Unfortunately, the the few hours in front of the TV don't work out. So the, as soon as the kids go to bed at night. You're home from work, but I still like to spend an hour or two in the evening with them kicking a ball or whatever with the older guy anyway. And um, I, once they go to bed, the laptop is back out and you're back working. You know, there's no downtime really. And I think that's just the way it is. And that's why you need to be passionate. You need to be doing something that you like so that you're willing to juggle all these things uh, because there are sacrifices you have to make, of course. Somebody told me once that it's funny, you know, entrepreneurs work 80 hours a week just so they don't have to work 40 hours a week, you know, which obviously doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But I think if you're passionate about it, you'll make it work. You know, there are ways. It's just maybe the you time or the downtime is just not going to exist for a little, a, little, a little while. But the ends will justify the means. But then that goes back to you just have to be passionate about it or else it's like doing a serving time in prison. You know, you just have to make sure you're, you go back to your first point that what you do is something that you're passionate about and that you'll stick with it through the pin and pick and pin. Stick with itness. That's where success comes from. But at the same time, I would caution people. I know I've suffered from this. I've heard so many entrepreneurs. Guys, don't burn yourselves out because that's when you get to the point where you're not creative. You're just doing that mental grind. It's like you're doing math homework for no reason. Make sure that if you're doing something, it's worth doing because you got to recharge sometimes. And with recharging, let's say favorite Irish movie. I've met a bunch of cool Irish guys and they always name... One of two movies. I want to see what you go with, Derek. Famous Irish movie. I like one of the old ones. It was, it, and I, it's kind of because I, I, it was made just over the road here from us um, in a place called Dingle. And I think it was Robert Mitchum was, that was actually acting in it and it was called Ryan's Daughter. That one kind of jumps out at me as, as, as a kind of a famous Irish movie. What were the two that you, you were... Oh, no. You know? I, was, I was hoping for either The Fields or In the Name of the Father. But yeah, in the name of the father, the, the field was actually written by John B. Keane, who's also a Kerry man just over the road here from us. So if you remember, um, Harris was in that movie, wasn't he? That that came from a, a script, a, a stage play that was written by a guy, a guy called John B. Keane from the Stowe in County Kerry. So um, both of those those movies, I'm, the one you mentioned and the one I mentioned, have, have their origins in County Kerry. Which is That's I'm absolutely incredible. Yeah. I will get to Ireland yeah. at some point. I've done a little bit of Scotland and absolutely loved it. Done a little bit of the UK. Seems like UK people are pretty pretty friendly. Maybe it's just the accents we all love. Either way, let's <laughs> jump back to let's jump back to you in the business. One last question, then we'll let you get back to work, back to the kids, all that good stuff. Okay. So, so Derek, you got two weeks left, but at the same time, you've been busting your butt in this campaign for forever. I'm sure you didn't just launch this. You put a ton of effort into product development, into Kickstarter prep. What have you learned since then? Things along the road that you've just kind of crashed into, screwed up, messed up, yada, yada. What would you want to share with people that are going down a similar journey to you so they can avoid those issues and just dominate? 
Okay, I, 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 one thing really jumps out at me, Matt. When I, I fell into the trick, and I, it might be down to the fact of, the, of what we're selling, but I fell into the, the trap of kind of mass marketing through Facebook ads and all of that kind of stuff. And it really is a waste of time from our perspective. You need to get, if you want, if you're, in our case, it's a, it's a niche product, right? So you need to find out where those people hang out, those specific people with the correct demographic, not just people that are into camping, but people, you know, that are willing to spend extra money on products to make sure they get the right product, you know. Um, again, it gets back to what I was saying, that people, everybody's going to tell you it's a great idea and you can get up, you know, thousands of likes on Facebook and all that kind of stuff. But will they pay for the product? You need to find out where the people that pay for your product hang out online. Uh, and, and I would have put a lot more time into that. I think I'm falling across it now and we're coming across a few good websites that that speak about high value camping goods or outdoor goods and they're starting to feature us. We were in Gizmag, I think we're gonna be in Gear Junkie soon and, and, and some others, 50 campsites, those kind of things. And that rather than spending money on Facebook ads and, and mass marketing and you know these press releases that go out to so many thousands, um, so many thousands uh, journalists, I think you need to be really, really targeted with your marketing. Find out before you launch, because we wasted some time Find out before you launch where do your specific target audience hang out, and even if you have to pay somebody to for them to, to do that for you, then do that because I think that's absolutely critical that you, you you know you get the exact correct demographic, the people that want your product, but also the people that have the money to pay for your products. Certainly with higher value products on Kickstarter, I think that's absolutely critical. Absolutely. If you get space in an Apple retail store, you're not going to be selling any Windows phones. You've got to make sure you get in front of the right people or it's not going to work. I think that's huge. Absolutely. Find the channel. Find the channels, guys. Derek, thank you for coming on. You've been awesome. I got to give it you a chance. Good. That, that's critical. I have to give you a chance now. Pitch the product. Be a salesman. Sell like your life depends on it. Why should people come check out Thermotense? Well, quite simply, we are the world's very first correctly, thermally and acoustically insulated tent. So that's a, a mouthful. It basically means that thermo tent is going to be a, lot, a much more comfortable experience than any tent you've ever experienced, be it in very warm uh, climates or temperatures or very cold or even moderate temperatures. You know, it's, it's just a much more comfortable and, and, and I suppose... It's also down to the fabrics we use, not just the insulation, but we also use very high, high, high quality poly cotton fabrics. And it's just going to be a, a much more comfortable experience and a much more peaceful experience than anything you've ever experienced in a tent before. Quite simply, thermo tents. Guys, if you want to enjoy nature, not necessarily be destroyed, rained in it, crushed in it, and just absolutely sweating. Oh, I was almost about to say a bad word there. Sweating terribly in the night, feeling cold. Check out Thermotents. They're pretty cool. And Derek has been awesome. Derek, thanks for coming on. Where's the best place for people to check you out other than Kickstarter? The website then, which is thermotents.com. www.thermotents, plural. That's all one word, thermotents.com. Thanks so much for coming on today, Derek. You've been a great guest. And thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you, Matt. Thanks. Have a great night. Bye-bye. Okay. Thanks, Matt. Hey guys, I'm your host, Matt Ward, and I want to thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Art of the Kickstart, where we believe inventors, innovators, and entrepreneurs are changing the world and bringing humanity forward into the future. If you like the ideas in this episode, or you're interested in learning more about crowdfunding and how to kill it with your own Kickstarter campaign, you can check out more at artofthekickstart.com. 
And if you've been listening to the show, love the episodes, but you're not subscribed, that's got to change. You can go to artofthekickstart.com slash iTunes or slash Stitcher and get the episodes delivered magically to your phone. And if you like the show, I would love you forever if you leave a review on iTunes. It helps more aspiring inventors and creators out there find the show and find the information they need to kill it on Kickstarter. Until next time, thanks for tuning in, guys, and have an absolutely epic day.